0: He said, John, in 35 years in business, the reason I have more referrals and access and deal flow, the reason people love to talk to me, I'm the first phone call that people make, is I'm like trusted and top of mind. I figured out that if you take care of the family in business, everything else seems to take care of itself. So for me, as a 20-year-old, it was like this lightning bolt moment where
1: Hi, I'm Nick Ninton and welcome to Now to Next, the podcast where I interview some of the top experts and professionals all across the globe to talk about what's happening now and what you can expect next. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episodes. Hey, everyone. Nick Nanton here, and welcome back to Now to Next. We've got an awesome and fun guest for you today, uh, my friend John Rulin. We met maybe two, three years ago now, I think for the first time uh, through our mutual friend, Robin Robbins. I'd heard your name a lot. I'd heard sort of this word, giftology. I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but today we're going to talk a lot about something the world needs more of, uh, not only as a business strategy but just a life strategy and it's radical generosity uh i it's a term that uh i got from you so i didn't i didn't make that up so i'll give you the credit for it uh before we get going john how's life man how you doing during the pandemic
0: uh man we've we've actually been really fortunate on the speaking and the gifting agency you know fortunately we've been able to this will be our best year ever in 20 years so I'm uh, I'm super grateful that we've been able to shift and and, uh, do really well. My four girls, I've got more time with them than I ever have. So um, even though I see a lot of people in pain and my team uh, has been challenged with craziness like homeschooling and whatever else, overall, I'm I'm really blessed.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, I I feel... Similarly, in that uh, it's just things are different for sure. Um, you know, I've been out on the road a little bit. Actually, I saw you in Austin a few weeks ago for at a event I went to. I've been out on the road a little bit, but it's been a total blessing. With being, you know, I haven't been home this much since my oldest was born. You know, and he's 15. I mean, I I have pretty uh, I have a pretty regimented travel schedule. We sort of have a checks and balances system because, as you know, it'd be easy to be gone you know, 40 nights a month. Um, you know, I only do seven nights a month on the road. And if I'm gone for dinner, that's half a night. Uh, so we, we do have a system, but it's still been nice to be home just a lot. You know, like the, after this, I've got two soccer games to go to and I, I try to never miss anything, but of course, uh, just the way life was, it's just, you know, you, you miss a lot. So let's talk a little bit. I, I think one of the, one of the most informing factors that I talk with people a lot about is how you grew up. Uh, it affects us, no matter what. I mean, some of us need therapy for it. Some of us, you know, uh, you know, don't want to ever talk about it again. That's probably not a good strategy, by the way. But it, it definitely affects who we are and who we think we are. Uh, you were one of five kids growing up with uh, a father who who worked for a water treatment plant, and your mom stayed home. Sounded like you didn't. It, it, it sounds like he was probably abundant with love, much like my upbringing, but not abundant with like lots of money and things. That's sort of my perception of reading reading through the book in the notes so sh- share more with me about your upbringing
0: yeah yeah so I'm an Ohio farm boy I grew up milking goats every morning my mom uh is one of 13 kids I have 68 first cousins and so uh we had a one acre garden we bailed you know instead of going to Disney World in the summers I bailed hay you know we had cat- you know, basically we lived off the land and my mom could make five dollars go further than five hundred dollars so I grew up garage sailing and you know wheeling and dealing for a dime like I'll give this for a nickel and that like And so yeah, I grew up lower middle income. Um, I mean, we didn't starve, but I definitely wasn't a kid, you know, rocking Air Jordans uh, or British Knights. Uh, That's that's an understatement. Um, And uh, I wanted to get out of Dodge. Our town was 417 people, and I wanted to make money. I was motivated to, to, you know, and so I was going to go be a doctor. That was kind of like my thought. My mom, before there was Whole Foods, was into health and wellness and shipping vitamins to our house, which was weird for a farm kid. and so yeah my my upbringing was definitely uh one where i i was hungry and wanted a different life than what i grew up with
1: Got i think that's many of us i mean that seems to breed entrepreneurism uh entrepreneurial ability um my brother is you know grew up obviously in the same house that i did although you know it, it's so funny People, I think we perceive most of the things that happen to us pretty similarly, but it is interesting how our brains process things completely differently. Uh, he is a uh, a child forensic psychiatrist, so uh, definitely. Um, I, what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think he. I don't know what I did to him as a kid. He's older than me, so I guess he Does did like more
0: CSI? to me. Like CSI? Does he like like consulting for like CSI? Like what? It's, that's that's a big it's a big title. Yeah. Uh, like what- that's, that's,
1: unique. He's boarded in four different specialties, I believe it is. And it, it really what he does, he spends his time, a lot of time in addiction and recovery, just because there's a lot of that, a ton of time in, uh, you know, and specialization in, you know, behavioral disorders and things like that. But the forensic side of it really comes into it. Uh, when you're talking about the, typically anything with an adversarial proceeding, which is really mostly court. So it would be, um, sometimes it would be a, um, a court, a divorce, let's say, where a kid is saying that, um, they don't want to live with one parent because, because they've abused them. Well, unfortunately, sometimes that's not true. Like one parent has told the kid to say this. And so he sort of has to try to help figure that out. And then he also does like insanity defenses and things like that. So yeah, he, um, I, tra- I trained him well. I trained him well to do what he needs to do. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's crazy stuff.
0: Wow. Yeah. So he's like basically at the paid witness or expert to good dive in and find the truth.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so super fascinating. I mean, I'm glad I, it's a heavy, heavy gig. I'm glad I don't have to do it. But, you know, the I knew when I, I sort of explained my story as, you know, I had more love than we could spend, um, but we you know, we're immigrants. Right. And so we were my parents were trying different things. They'd left sort of everything they'd known to come to, you know, come to America and give me and my brother an opportunity. And a bunch of my uncles and aunts moved up at the same time, all all legally with papers. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm purebred. I have papers. Uh, and so, um, you know, but it's, you know, there I, I recall about the time I was like, so much in 10 and 12 when like the things you mentioned, the, uh, the air Jordans, the, the BKs, like, it, it all, things started mattering that to them, like in the grand scheme of Maslow's hierarchy, weren't super important, but like as a kid, like my perception, like, I mean, thankfully we never starved, but like to me, these were important things. Like these are things that I wanted to fit in. Now what's really unique as I'm sure you would agree to as we, get growing older in life. It's actually those things that define us that make us different than everybody else when at that time we just want to fit in. But all the things that make us uniquely 100%. different are the things that really, you know, give us the success in life. It's just such a hard thing to get a kid to understand and far less understand like to process when they're living in it uh daily. So yeah, similar similar circumstances where I decided I want things. How can I make money? What can I do? I started uh teaching tennis lessons. I became a clown. I, I did all sorts of, of fun stuff. Stuff that uh, we could talk about at some point but it's about you i didn't know
0: about the clown i didn't know about the clown thing that's uh that's, uh, that's awesome. Most, I want to see that bit. I'll, I'll pay for that bit. <laughs>
1: most don't. I literally, I was trying to find ways to make money to buy a car and I was like, what skills do I have? And we had had a, a magic store sort of nearby, so I bought some magic tricks like most kids. Somehow I ended up with a balloon animal book. I can make balloon animals. Like, I could do this. So at the time, I flipped through the phone book and I just like, I called this place. And I'm like, how much does it, I mean, how much does it cost to hire a clown for my kid's birthday party? And the guy was like 150 bucks an hour. I'm like, done. So I hung up and I started started charging like a hundred an hour. And it was like solid. I mean, I wasn't booked regularly, but like, I mean, the money was good. And so, yes, I, I did that. Um, all we'll all to, I
0: can uh, think about is, uh, is, uh, is wedding crashers where like, <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm sure you've heard see, yeah, Make me a bicycle clown. That's like one of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes uh, from a movie ever.
1: Like, yes, that's all I can think about. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, I used to when I thought it was funny. Um, when there was like a clown at a restaurant, I'd ask for a couple balloons. I'd like out balloon the clown. But uh, my no! kids, <laughs> my kids started. You, punked, it, you it, punked the clown. Yeah, it was like embarrassing them, which it it should have been. But it's it, it was funny. So <laughs> your your mo, we'll have a clown name guessing. Contest at one time because it's a funny story. I got my clown name, but anyway, um, you started uh, you a friend of yours was opening a branch for Cutco knives, and it is, it is interesting in the world of entrepreneurship. I do run across like a fair number of Cutco people. Um, I have my oh, own story about walking out of the Cutco presentation, actually, um, because I did answer the ad in the paper to go, yep. you know, for the ad, for the for which, this career.
0: Yeah, you went to a seedy part of town and you're like, this cannot
1: be legit. It was, yeah, it was actually, and I know it's not, um, it's not Cutco. It's the salesman who was there and his high pressure selling tactic. And it was sort of like, it, it basically, he, he was feeling his oats as a salesperson, which there's sort of that spectrum of, you know, as you know, like a salesperson of like, first you're like, I don't know what to do. So I like vomit. Then you sort of read books and watch, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and whatever. And like, there's this point where there's a point in most salespeople's career where they, think that ego is what it takes to sell and control of the situation as opposed to service and so the yeah. best the best people I know the most successful people I know in business clearly sales is a huge part of it but it actually comes down to I mean in all the things that you and I'll talk about but it comes down to serving the other side like like exceptionally well like radically generously and so this guy I don't most people never find that Part of the spectrum, uh, but and I don't know if this guy ever did, but he was clearly in that ego side. Now he's sort of like like if you get up and walk out of this room right now, you'll never be successful the rest of your life. And I'm like, oh yeah, so I just got up and walked out. Like this just, just like my my like rebellious kid thing. When the ad wasn't real clear either, like you're gonna be selling kitchenware and sporting goods i'm like "Mm, one fishing and hunting knife is not sporting goods so i just felt you know i didn't feel like it was a it was an honest yeah it wasn't honest enough front so it was like "Eh, not for me although knowing what i know about cutco now and i have a few of the knives and like great company great training so tell me tell me more about cutco because again you is it the system they teach you is it the is it the Uh, is it the structure like obviously a lot of people do nothing with it and just quit but the people i know who've made it is it the pressure like what is it that makes cutco a good breeding ground for some people
0: yeah well i think the product itself i mean most people don't realize it's like the rolex of cutlery it's handmade in new york this year they'll do 300 million in revenue which you know is a pretty sizable in the cutlery realm especially the high-end cutlery realm they're like the you know they're the top I didn't know what Cutco was when I went in. I was just desperate to pay for med school. And I think a lot of people, they have a division that works with college kids. And I think that when you start getting, you know, you have 20 year olds that are getting exposed to selling a great product. They're getting exposed to a sales training program that tells you how to, you know, teach you how to handle objections and set goals. And, you know, you're reading John Maxwell books at 19 years old and going to Tony Robbins conferences. I think that, A, they've worked with 1.5 1.5 million college kids in 70 years. Like, there's a certain critical mass there of people. But I think that, in my opinion, they're a knife company. But really, they're a personal development company that understands how to pour into these young people that are very moldable. And, you know, like, the the guys that are leading the company are Christians. They're good dudes. Like, they're, like, solid family guys. They're, they don't have helicopters and private jets. They're, like, flying around coach. They could have their, all that stuff, but they're not a, like... If you go to Olean, New York, where it's headquartered, there's 850 people that are employed there. And they it's like the Cutco YMCA and the Cutco Gymnasium and the Cutco Theater. They really—they could outsource and make 10 times more money by having it made in China, but they've chosen to make this a multi-generational company that really cares about people. And there's actually Purdue, Michigan State. There's some universities that the program is so good, the training so good, in order to graduate with a sales degree from those universities, you have to sell Cutco for a semester. That's a requirement. So, like, that's cool. in my opinion, I think that if you can learn how to handle your own, you know, calendar, goals, objections, and sell, you can do anything in life. And that's why you got guys like Hal Elrod who wrote Miracle Morning, you know, is one of the best-selling authors the last decade on a self-published book. John Levy, who runs Influencers Group out of New York, there's all these people that are running companies now that their original start. Even the founder, whether you like them or not, the founder of Uber. Uh, Travis Cowan, it's a multi-billion dollar company. His first job was slinging blades. It was selling co-knives. So I do think it is, it's the product, it's the training, it's the sheer number of people. And I do think that you either sink or swim. You either rise to the top and handle things really well and learn life skills. Or you're like, you know what, this selling thing sucks. I'm going right. to go get a normal, you know, J-O-B and, and call it a day. Um, so for me, it was it was the, the launch pad for a lot of
1: things. Got that. Yeah, most, most things sucked. The first time, or the first time you try, or the first time you do it, like, you know, it's, I mean, lifting weights, everything, like, it's, it's, I... I got a new set of weights today because I've been waiting for it to come back in stock uh, since all the gyms and stuff shut down and all that. And my gym actually opened back up and then had like a huge flood. And it's like a massive gym that the Orlando Magic founder built. And like it's a huge center. And they shut the whole thing down. Like they literally opened up I think like a week ago, I think. And so I end up getting – um I got the the Bowflex Selecta weights for home. You can select from 10 to 90 pounds. And like they're super cool, but – Like, I was, I was working out with them the first time today. I was a little frustrated with like, um, they're just different than regular weights, but I had to remind myself like, oh, within, within a month, I'll be like slinging these things around. It'll be like, it'll be just normal, but just like that friction of it being different. And that's the hardest part to get someone like to me for a kid, especially interestingly, we're talking about like developing, you know, young people, uh, really interesting that. Um, One of the biggest things, if I can get a kid to see, like, you know, to understand, like, the hard things, if you can learn to work through the hard things, which is the hardest thing to teach a kid, or, like, if you can learn to earn your way off the bench in sports, or if you can learn to persevere and get through that math class and not, like... There's so much value in life in that, that we see. I mean, it's like a mini Navy SEAL lesson, right? I mean, it's not, not nearly on the par of that, but like showing you, you can do something you didn't think you can do. And I feel like so many parents shortcut their kids learning those lessons because they just want to fix it for them, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, They don't have grit. They have no ability to, you know, it's a Jocko or any of the guys out there. It's like, whether you're a Navy SEAL or not, like you have to do things that suck to get to do things that are amazing, whether you're an athlete or whether you're a sales rep or a CEO or a documentary maker or marketer, like we all have to suck. And most people, if they give up in the sucky part, like they don't get the, you know, the gold, the diamonds, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, our generation, the kids that I'm raising, my girls, like watching them suffer and, and, you know, like my daughter's playing basketball and she's not good. And I love basketball, but I'm like, you know, like she's crying, whatever else I'm like, babe like this is part of the deal like i've had those days too where like it just sucks like you just want to cry like i've cried it's it's not fun but uh but yeah like letting your kids suffer uh, a little bit i think is really
1: powerful Uh, part of the deal uh so yes um and and by the way uh basketball story um i actually was I was relatively athletic, um, got some college scholarship offers to play tennis, and for I tore my knees and decided not to do that. But I played like four to five hours a day, all that mess. But I was so bad at basketball. That um, they didn't. I played one season in like uh, middle school, and they didn't send me the renewal form in the mail. Like that's how bad I was at basketball. That's my story, at least. Maybe it got lost, but I I was pretty convinced. I, I took the I took the sign from above, no matter what it was. Now uh,
0: intentional loss.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, I do have to say that I'm glad they're good Christian guys as as you are uh, and and share the same faith. Um, but I, I I still I would still have the private jet. I'm just going to go on record saying that because that just makes life so much better i mean it's it's an amazing thing so i'm glad those guys are going to coach but i wouldn't be
0: no i know they're driving like buicks to work i'm like I, they're just they're engineers they're just good like you know the one guy who's the ceo now jim sit jr like he loves andy stanley like yeah he's just uh he's just uh, like they're you know yeah i, I i'm the same way like I, I if it saves me time if it saves me access to my my family but, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. A little, little private jet here and there is not a bad thing.
1: <laughs> we'll, uh, and we'll check, pick up on time, uh, as you point out in the book. Giftology, by the way, everyone watching, buy a copy of Giftology. I would say, in a lot of ways, it's not what you think um, when you just think of gifting. Um, and we're digging into some of that already. This probably, hopefully, already is not the conversation you expected us to have. Um, but so, uh, from Kako, you you met a really important person, happened to be the father of a girl you were dating. Uh And, yeah. he, and he shared some pretty... unique with you i think that perspective is unique share that with us
0: yeah well you know when you grow up poor you notice when people are generous and paul was an attorney he owned a firm and but he was a rainmaker and it wasn't like the typical like glenn garrigan ross like he wasn't a fast talker he wasn't like the the guy that's like patting me on the back and buying me a drink he was kind like he was like this humble meek person that was old, Like he'd find a deal on noodles and buy like a semi-load and everybody at church the next Sunday, like 200 people would walk away with a year's supply of noodles. And I'm like, Paul, that was like 30 or 40 grand. Are you nuts? And he just got this smile on his face. It's just who he was. It wasn't a tactical thing. And so I remember I, I was like, I, I pitched an idea of giving away, you know, Cutco Pocket Knives. So, you know, all his clients were CEOs of million to billion dollar companies, insurance companies, financial advisor firms, home builders. And uh, they're all into hunting and fishing. And I thought, he'll have mercy on me and buy the. And these aren't cheap pocket knives. These are like $100 pocket knives. Yep. And uh, he changed my life forever. He's like, John, I don't want to order 100 pocket knives because I order 100 parry knives. And I'm like, Paul, you want to give a bunch of grown man CEO dudes and VPs of sales and whatever else like a kitchen tool? I'm like, why? And he said, John, in 35 years in business, the reason I have more referrals and access and deal flow, the reason people love to talk to me, I'm the first phone call that people make. Is I'm like trusted in top of mind. I figured out that if you take care of the family in business, everything else seems to take care of itself. So for me, as a 20-year-old, it was like this lightning bolt moment where it wasn't about the stupid knives, although to this day our agency still does millions of dollars in the Cutco knives. It was about that the item itself was a delivery vehicle for an emotion, and he was connecting to now what I call the inner circle. It was like. The CEOs were getting treated and wine and dine on trips and whatever else. It was taking care of the the spouse or the kids or the assistant. And so for me, I, I started to mimic those things. And I started to I'd find this two hundred million dollar CEO of a company I'd want to get a meeting with, like an insurance company. And I I'd handwrite a note, you know, invest like three hundred bucks in a cut co carving, said I'd engrave the CEO's name and his wife. And I'd send it off, and it said, carve out five minutes for me. I promise would be worth your time. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm in my dorm room. I send it off. Two weeks later, I get a phone call in my dorm room back when there were still phones in dorm rooms. And they're like, it's the CEO's assistant. And he's and she's like, hey, uh, Mr. Smith was really impressed. He wants to meet you next Tuesday at three o'clock. And I'm like, holy crap, I I have class at three o'clock. But I'm like, this is the company I want to meet. So I'm skipping class. I wear the one suit I have on. And I would go into these meetings and, you know, mahogany and glass and all this stuff. And the CEO's jaw like hits the ground. He's like, are you the John Rulin that sent me the knives? And I said, yes, sir. And he's like, man, I thought you'd be like some seasoned sales executive, like in their fifties. Like, I'm confused. Are you, are you here to sell me knives? And I would laugh nervously and I'd be like, no, sir, I'm here to help you and your thousand sales reps do exactly what I did to you, to your top 10,000 relationships. And his jaw hit the ground again. He's like, you're good. Holy crap. And I walked out of there with an order for a thousand knife sets. The order form for Cutco wasn't big enough to take the order. I sent it off thinking the Cutco is going to pat me on the back. And the CFO of Cutco calls me and says, "John, we got your order." And I said, I'm, I'm, "I'm thinking he's going to be excited." He said, "We just want to know whose credit card did you steal?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "We've never seen an order this big. You obviously stole somebody's credit card and are selling these overseas or on eBay." And I said, "No, I'm, I'm like, I'm helping this company drive like 100x ROI on their relationships." And he's like, "We're a knife company. What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "No, you're not a knife company. I'm using your knives as this purpose." And it was at that point that I realized I was onto something. And that's when I put med school on hold, started the the done for you gifting agency. And we started to really train and teach what I learned from this country attorney, because nobody cares about gifts. Like I don't I don't wake up and think about gifts. Neither do you. But we all wake up if we own a company or lead a company or lead even a family. We think about relationships and the way you show up for a relationship you know, it, it is really determining whether or not you value that person, whether or not they matter. And most people think gifting is swag and trinkets and promotional items and fruit baskets and bottles of wine. That's not a gift. Those are check-the-box tokens. Yep. And, but if you show up and are powerfully for your wife or for your assistant or for your thousand dealers or whoever those people are, and people know you have their back, then they'll run through walls for you. They'll sell for you. They'll open doors for you. They'll refer business. They'll stay loyal to you. And most people think, you know, what we're talking about is like polo shirts with softballs. Like that's not a gift. Like that's a, like that's a manipulation actually. Yeah. Hey, here, go be an advertisement for me right. in my company. I, I did a, a million dollars with you last year. Here's your $47 polo with a logo. Like that's not a gift. So the core of what we're teaching is really relationship building kind of disguised as a, like the gift being the delivery vehicle. Now, I don't even call them gifts anymore. I call them artifacts because gift sounds like Harry and David pairs. Right. Like that doesn't move somebody's heart.
1: <laughs> that, that, that is true. Um, you have a great story as you were sort of getting into this business deeper and deeper uh, with our mutual friend Cameron Harold. Tell that story for us.
0: Yeah. So, so uh, like a lot of us, we you know, like we're we're one relationship away from changing our business forever. It could be a mentor, it could be an investor, it could be an advisor, a banking relationship. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I went to I joined EO after meeting somebody that owned controlling interest of twenty companies. And when I found out he was a member of EO, I'd never heard of it, but I just gave him my credit card and said, I'm going, I'm, I'm in. So I go to this Vegas, it's like their 20th anniversary and like Steve Wynn speaking privately and I hear Cameron speak and like everything that came out of his mouth was gold. I'm like, if I could get him not just as a client, not just as a coach, I I can't afford his like $20,000 a month coaching, but if I could get him to be like a mentor, like a friend, like my life could change. So long story short, I found out he was coming to Cleveland where I was living at the time to speak to our local chapter. And, like a lot of us, we're like, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's LeBron, uh, it's open night for Cavs, like, I'm gonna take him to a dinner and a ball game. And when I asked him to the dinner and a ball game, his response was the most underwhelming response ever. He's like, I guess I'll go, I don't have anything else going on. And so I'm like, duh, like, every business, every industry, we do dinners, ball games, cigars, you know, glasses of wine. We, we, we follow the same playbook as all of our competitors, and then we wonder why nobody refers this business. We're, we're, it's vanilla. So on the spot, I'm like, Cameron, what else are you gonna do when you're in town? And he said, I'm going to go shopping. And I'm thinking, this is my angle. Like, where are you going to shop at? And he said, I love Brooks Brothers. There's not a ton in Canada. I want to go to Brooks Brothers. So I said, hey, great. I want to send you a shirt size. What's your shirt? now I'm a Brooks Brothers guy. Or I'm a, a Jose Bank guy. I want to send you a Brooks Brothers shirt. Uh, and uh, and he said, uh, he, you know, he's looking at me like kind of like a bewilder. He's like, you know, does this dude have a man crush on me? It's like a weird question to ask another man's shirt size. But he told me and said, great. I'll send you a Jose Bank shirt. You know, I, you know, I've never tried Brooks Brothers. I'll try Brooks Brothers So. Long and short it is the day he's flying and he starts texting me, my flight's delayed. I'm not sure if I'm going to get in, in time. Do you just want to cancel? And I'm like, son of a gun. He doesn't give two rips about the ball game or the dinner. I said, no, even if you get in late, we'll just go for drinks. And so I call my partner. I'm like, Rod, we got to do this thing. And uh, Rod's like, do you believe in it enough that if it doesn't work, it comes all out of your personal draw? And I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. But yeah, I believe in it. So I went to Brooks Brothers. I put down the Amex. I said, I want one of everything in your new fall collection, all your jackets, suits, belts, pants, everything. They ring up on the Amex. at $7,000 in clothes. I go to the Ritz, ask for the GM, and we merchandise this hotel room to look like a Brooks Brothers store. Jackets here, belts, suits, pants. And uh, I'm downstairs drinking like a triple on the rocks. I'm not a big drinker, but I was so nervous because my partner's like, he's going to think you're a stalker. This is the dumbest idea ever. I can't believe you actually did it. And Cameron gets in. You can tell he just wants to go to bed. I said, Cameron, go take a shower. Come down when you're ever ready. He comes down 20 minutes later and his eyes are the size of silver dollars. He said, John, whatever you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about, I'm all yours. I've never had anybody that's treated me and made me feel the way that you've made me feel. And so yeah, after that, for 10 years, once a quarter, I sent him a gift. I took the full cut code, $10,000, and I have sent him that over time for him and his wife. I sent him the $700 wine tool. I, I continued to send gifts to him. People were like, John, why didn't you stop after the Brooks Brothers thing? Like You had them. And I said, it's when you do things because you want to, not because you have to, that, that, that people, like if I wanted to get Cameron to be a sales rep for me, I, he wouldn't do it for two million bucks. But he's referred so much business. I did the math the other day. It's multi seven figures. So 20 grand turned into multi seven figures, that's a 50x ROR, return on relationship. And so, so many people miss out on the opportunity to have all of their relationships out there advocating for them actively, being actively loyal. But Cameron was the first one I realized like you go – you don't you don't hold back 5%. You go all in and then you go all in again and then you go all in again. And, and because of that, he's become one of the most valuable relationships that I've ever had in 20
1: years. I love it. I have so many questions but they're all the wrong question, which I want to point out. Like so many people are thinking like, well, how do you get all the clothes on? And are you sure 7,000 – like just – but that – like and, and don't try to replicate that. That was – that's the whole – that's why it's the wrong question. You got to be thinking what would make – whoever I want to light up, light up. And the other key is, I mean, obviously you want to spend some time with them, but you, the most dangerous thing you could do in this scenario would be to give with an expectation of like, well, he's going to do whatever I want now because I just spent so much money. Like that will make you crazy. Ruins it.
0: Yes. It ruins it. Yeah. So if you give a gift to your wife, Hey, here's a diamond ring. Now you, now like we better have sex tonight. Like how does that work out? But people do that in business. Yeah. All the time. We give a gift after a deal's done or because we want a referral or then we ask for a referral. Like that's a bait and switch. Whereas if you love on somebody and continue to show up, I mean, Vaynerchuk made it popular with his jab, 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 right hook. It wasn't jab, right hook. It was give, 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 and then earn the right after over time to earn the right to ask. And that's why people are like, John, we do giftology. It didn't work. I do giftology. I'm like, no, you're It's like baking bread. You think you're following giftology, but you cut a corner. It's like if you don't put yeast in, I don't care if you bake bread 10,000 times, you don't get bread. And if you do giftology and you do one thing wrong, you can completely – you can actually like – I've seen people give out Rolexes and you think how could you give a $10,000 watch wrong? But Domino's did actually down in Florida. They gave out – they put Domino's on the white face of the Air King. Even if you work for Domino's, do you really want um, Domino's on your Air King? No, you don't. So putting a logo on it isn't a gift. That's a that's a promotional item, even even as a Rolex. So there's all of these little details in relationship, but it's like dating. Like if you do something dumb, you might get broken up with or not get a second date. And then gifting is that way. Like people think, oh, like I'll just order it from Amazon. I'm like, are relationships automated to you? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well. If it shows up from Amazon with no handwritten note, it just feels like you automated it. Like that little detail of how it shows up, the timing, like people think we're busy right now on the gifting side. I'm like, you think sending gifts between Thanksgiving and Christmas is going to earn you any brownie points? It's like, those are like, that's table stakes time. That's like noisy, obligatory, expected giving. You should give gifts out of the blue. Even if you're sending the gift to 10,000 people, it should feel like they're the only ones receiving it because it's showing up out of the blue as a surprise and delight versus Oh, you gave me a referral. Here's your $500 bottle of wine. You ruin the gift, even ruining the timing. So it's, uh, yeah, the, the people ask themselves the wrong questions all the time. And I'm like, you don't get it. Like, this is like being thoughtful is not the same thing as checking a box. It's not. And people feel that emotionally if you're checking the box versus going all in.
1: Uh you just said a, a key point that, uh, uh, those of you who have children like me hear way too much DJ Khaled. You said a major key, right? And so, uh, I actually was thinking, you know, at the beginning of all of his, uh, songs, it says, we the best music. I, I want to get the we the best podcast every time I come on. to go, <laughs> we the best podcast. So anyway, um, you said, you know, being thoughtful and that is, that's the difference. You, you made the quip about like a diamond ring and a wife, uh, f- for sexual favors. Like that is not being thoughtful. That is being callously manipulative. calculated manipulative. Yes, uh, perfectly perfectly stated. Um, another thing I, I love that you talk about in Giftology is um, – and we're going to get into the book here in a second. Again, John Rowan, author of Giftology. Check out the book. Buy the book. Buy it for your friends. Uh, they will thank you. Uh, practical luxuries. This is a great distinction. Practical luxuries. Like There are so many things that are – practical luxuries that you may or may not buy for yourself but like you always appreciate when someone else when someone else gives you that little extra you actually i'll I'll jump to it in the book you talk about uh, buy the best in class for whatever amount of money you have a really great really great point you had a story about a fossil watch and a uh, like a hundred dollar gift let's go into that a little bit practical luxuries and buying top of top of class no matter what your budget is
0: yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of times people were like, hey, what's hot sexy? And I'm like, you know, when New York Times interviewed us, I said the stupid knives. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, most people have this set. Even if you have a $5 million house, you have the set that you got when you got married. It's like this set from Bed Bath & Beyond or Nordstrom. It's it's a piece of, you know, it's, it's worn out. It's a piece of crap. So, you know, to me, like finding something that people would never buy for themselves. And, and knives are one of those things where most people have like the $20 knife set and you buy them one knife for $200. It's like melts their face off because they don't have a $200 knife, but they, they might already have a Rolex. Or they might have, and so I see people like giving Apple Watches to people that already have Apple Watches or they already have a Rolex or whatever. And I'm like, your, your $500 gift, like what if you just went and did like a, a luggage tag for a hundred bucks? Most people eventually are going to start traveling again. And most people have a 50 cent luggage tag and you right. buy them a hundred dollar one. It's actually better than the $500 like Seiko or Apple Watch that you gave them because they, you're going and taking a category that they would never buy for themselves, that they're actually useful. Like practical is a big part of it. People give gifts all the time that like hang on a wall or collect dust in a closet or on a shelf. I'm like, no. Like if 2020 has proven anything. It's like, we don't need more crap. We don't need more stuff. Like Goodwill, there's a line a mile long of people getting rid of all the keys and tokens and whatever else. But like, uh, like we had a client, well, you know, Pete Vargas. Pete reached out and said, hey, I wanted to give a gift to Tony Robbins. He's a, a new partner of ours. And I said, Pete, I'm, uh, this is going to sound silly, but we're going to do a knife set. He's like, John, like, you already have, like, knife sets. I'm like, that I understand that, but we're going to do the $7,000 knife set, and here's what's going to make it land. We're going to engrave on all 32 knives uh, one of 64 quotes of wisdom that Tony put out into the world. And so, like, you know, even Tony, like, breaks bread with family and inner circle, but he already has knife sets. I get that. But we're, gonna, we're going to uh, capture his legacy and his life's work on these pieces and sure enough, Sage reached out and said, said uh, Pete, we already have lots of nice sets, but yours became an instant heirloom because we're actually going to use it. And every day we're going to be reminded of Tony's wisdom and his great grandkids are going to fight over this set someday. But we're going to like it's going to be a part of our family. And so so many times people don't understand that like we like as human beings, we need things that are useful and, and we need to tie things that tie to our humanity. So there's so oftentimes people want to send out like another like, you know, hooded sweatshirt or a Lululemon jacket. And those are fine. But if somebody already has 10 of something and you don't find a way to make it unique and special to them and you don't give the best in class of what they would actually use or even give better than what they already have, then you're wasting money. And, And then it's just a package showing up. And so I see people all the time that they're giving out the cool, hot, new, sexy gift, but it's like a water bottle like you can only drink out of one water bottle at a time. So like, you, like I've, I've said, so many people are like, John, if I get another water bottle, my wife's going to divorce me. Like if I come home from another conference or another event and I come home with some piece of crap swag, or even if it's a nice one, I can only drink out of one and it has a logo on it. I'm never going to use that. And my wife is pissed or my husband is annoyed. And so we find those areas like, and, and we've partnered together on some of these crazy thousand dollar mugs. Mm-hmm. People are like, really a mug for a thousand bucks. I'm like, most people have the one from China you know, that says, I love you, dad, or whatever, like, right. or the one that they got from South Carolina at Myrtle Beach, we take a mug and carve into it somebody's life story. It's, so it's incredible. It's, yes. So it's practical. But when you make it a lifetime achievement award and make it the nicest, most thoughtful, most meaningful, like I've had billionaires cry receiving these mugs, we gave one on stage at a YPO event in, in front of five billionaires. And the entire stage, or the entire audience stood up 100 people at this air without a hanger, and half the audience is crying. And this this guy, Bill Lyon, who is you know publicly traded company, all this other kind of stuff, every day he's going to be reminded as he drinks his coffee or tea that his life matters, that, that this is his legacy. So to me, like even billionaires want to be honored in a, in a certain way, but they also want something that's useful. And when you can blend both of those things together in a best-in-class gift, that's where you start getting like where people are like, if my house was on fire and I had to grab 10 things, I would grab that $1,000 mug. Not because it's something that has a story and a meaning to it that's irreplaceable. And that's, you know, like you with the Rudy Rudiger you know thing behind you there. Like there's certain things that capture the essence of who you are. And when you can take that, the practicality and, and uniqueness and blend it with meaning. Now, all of a sudden, like subconsciously, there's a trigger that's reminding people of the relationship that you have. And that's where referrals come from is being like, trusted and top of mind. Most people miss the top of mind element. And if it's in a closet, not being used you're not getting the top of mind element that you're looking for and you're missing out on so many deals and opportunities to trigger that memory and to trigger that opportunity to make an introduction.
1: Uh, all, all incredible advice. The comments coming in are awesome. So many great nuggets. So just everyone's enjoying it again, everyone, John Rulin, author of giftology and, uh, and, and, co-founder of, of giftology. So should check out the company as well. Uh, this is a cool segue here. Actually, you're talking about Tony Robbins, who, by the way, uh, one of the most generous people I have ever not only met and spent time with, but ever, ever seen uh, really incredible guy. So, um, I was, I was invited to, because we're filming something to Tony's home about two months ago, uh, when they were bringing some human trafficking victims that they had rescued—that uh, Operation Underground Railroad had rescued—and oh, uh, wow. and I, you would be like Sage prayed over them, and it was like. Mind blowing! It, it was like uh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It was it was a special moment. Of course, my cell phone goes off in the middle. Of, like, of course, me. And Tony goes in the middle of the prayer. Yeah, Tony goes. That right there is 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 the sound. Uh, what he said. That's the ring of freedom right there. And and so, but but I just you know I, I didn't even know I didn't particularly know their faith. But man, she she prayed like Billy Graham. It was amazing. So uh, moving into this next segment, you start a lot of your chapters with a Bible verse. Uh, and you make a very interesting connection, um, about, you know, uh, about the Bible and giving, uh, g- give us that story.
0: Yeah. Well, what, what I think is funny is sometimes people, you know, a faith or not a faith will be like, man, John, you like, this is like so amazing and so new. Like, where did you think of this idea? And I'm like, you realize like Proverbs 18, 16 says a gift ushers you before Kings. Like I didn't invent the idea of being a good gift giver or being generous, like it's been around for thousands of years, whether you're a person of faith or not, like the principles work because it's how God's wired the world. When, you know, when when somebody does something really nice for us with no strings attached, guess what? God's wired us to want to reciprocate. It's like part of like how God's wired our DNA. It's, it's why like when somebody does something really thoughtful. So the core of like God is, you know, you are a person of faith. Like God's the ultimate gift giver. Like he gave us life. If you're a Christian, you believe like, you know, like Jesus, like went on the cross as the ultimate gift to forgive our sins. Like the idea of being generous and not holding back and doing things not because you have to or out of obligation or like like doing things that are unreasonable. Like the idea of like 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 forgiveness is is an unreasonable thing. It's a gift that we don't deserve. Grace is a gift that we don't deserve. So the idea of like I see so many business leaders of faith. That might be generous in their personal life or in their church or charity life. And then they wear a different hat in business and they wonder why their relationships aren't flourishing. Like, you know, you see like Chick-fil-A, like they're crushing the competition. Why? Because they, they're they generous. They are incre- like the way that they serve people makes them outperform McDonald's by like 10x. And nothing against McDonald's, although I'm not a big fan of their food. But like the idea of being able to be radically generous People think it's a warm woo-woo fuzzy thing, but the Bible tells us that we reap what we sow, and oftentimes if we do it the right way, in the right like like with the right intentionality and the right heart, it comes back to us a hundredfold. Now, it may not always be with the referral or the deal or within the day that you want, but you know, Gary Vee made it sexy, and other people have talked about playing the long game. The long game is decades if you look at the Bible. The long game is not days. We think that if we give, we're gonna get. Like that's not how it works, but God does honor the things that we do, the seeds that we plant. And even if you're not a, pers- a Christian, like the Old Testament talks about the idea of being generous and tithing. And and it's frankly one of the numbers that we use as a kind of a reverse tithe is 10% of your net profit should be reinvested back into your relationships. And it's not just as a check the box to feel good at Christmas. It literally, I've seen where people get a thousand X return on relationship by pouring back in. And you show me a Facebook ad campaign or anything where you can pour you know, a dollar in and get a thousand dollars back out. It's only, it's only with God and with the idea of being generous to people. Like, like there's no other thing out there. And so when people talk about it as being like this, like frivolous, like, Oh, just be generous. And this like cold hands and sing Kumbaya. I'm like the companies that are crushing their competition, look at Southwest. They lo- like, what's their methodology and system? It's love. Starbucks, is, is radically, like, they're not necessarily a company of faith, but they are radically generous in how they treat people and how they show up with benefits and whatever else. Like, to me, if you want to be successful as a leader, you have to pour into your people. And gifting is just one of the five love languages. And I think that it's a scalable love language. I, I, Gary Chapman, who wrote the five love languages, is a mentor of mine. And him and his wife love giftology because they're like, it's based in biblical truth. It works because God created it that way. Now, whether you're a Christian or not, it, you can use it. I think it's better when you have the right heart and the intentionality behind it. Yep. But this is a business principle, like any other leadership or sales or John. Like John Maxwell's a client. the Reason he's a client is because he believes in the biblical ideas of pouring into people. We just happen to do it with tangible gifting and thoughtful, you know, tangible artifacts. But generosity works in any part of the world. It works in Idaho. It works in Africa. Because, you know, it's a biblical principle of humanity.
1: I love it. And also, it it also really works when, you know, there's, I've heard a few people say this, but, you know, it's not about giving back. It's about giving. Like when you took something from somebody, you don't get any great joy in giving it back to them. So let's get some of that out of the, like the regular vernacular of the world. Like when you give, just give, like give generously, give radically, just give. And I, I can certainly say without any hesitation the times in my life where I have given with truly without expecting anything I have been rewarded so richly with just I mean everything from mindset to relationships to like you really do gain so much uh from giving that I, I just I highly encourage you we could we could talk about the biblical side of this all day maybe we should at some point but uh, we'll, we'll move on a little bit just know that's a big piece of the the foundation of this um a, a really interesting distinction that you made in the book that i think a lot of people miss um you asked you were asking your employees to deliver a, a ritz carlton experience a top shelf experience and and most, I, I'm guilty of this, most of us have never stopped to think, wait a second, do my employees even know what it's like to have a Ritz-Carlton experience? Have they ever had that experience? Because, I mean, that experience, let's be honest, is because of the price of it is reserved for, for people who make a lot of money, usually very high-powered executives or CEOs or just wealthy people who are born into wealth. And so for most of us, people who work with and for us are, are growing their their lives. And they probably never very likely have never experienced that so we often ask them to give an experience they've never experienced so uh, share with that and, and share your solution to that I thought
0: it was a cool one yeah well it, it, you, you teed it up perfectly I mean I, we realize that with our own employees and so many people with gifting they get excited about giving a prospect like their dream 100 you know like Russell Brunson and and uh you know frankly the um uh, the ultimate sales machine Chet Holmes kind of made it popular to go after your dream 100 clients or prospects But I tell people like you can't like go and treat people out here like the Ritz Carlton and then treat your employees like the Motel 6. Like that's an incongruent – like it creates bitterness and and your employees will be pissed off and they've never experienced it. So to me, taking care of your internal client, which is your employee first, is where to start so they can deliver the level of service that you want. And they're excited about thinking like my employees give out gifts all the time that I'm not even aware of. Because we've empowered them and showed them what's it, what it feels like to receive a Ritz-Carlton level gift, not just experience, but also gifts. Like I send, when somebody interns for me, I'll send a three, dollars $400 set of headphones to them during finals saying, hey, I want you to help you block out the noise so you can study. And people are like, three or $400 for an intern? And I'm like, you guys are idiots. You'll go spend sponsorship dollars and do all these dog and pony shows and spend thousands of dollars to recruit somebody. Why would you not like... Recruit them as they're interning with you, and love on them, and show them what it feels like. Like nobody brags about their 401k or their health insurance. Like people will brag about how they feel treated and taken care of. And so I send gifts to my, my the spouses of my team. This year during COVID, we started to send. We started to realize my employees are stressed. They're all working at home. Our, our employees have been working at home for a long time, and I'm like they're not getting good nights rest, and they can't go buy the level of mattress that I might buy for myself. What if I just started sending them like $5,000 mattresses to say, hey, we want you and your spouse to get a good night's rest. We know it's stressful. We're in your corner. Oh, my gosh. Like people freaked out and they're like – and I have a, you know, like Google and they're like, really, $5,000? I'm like, when you hire an employee, you'll give a salary range of 65 dollars to 75 dollars That's a $10,000 delta that you'll bring into overhead labor all day long and not think anything of. I'm like, why don't you budget and think about strategically how you can show up for your employees? Like we pay to have all of our employees' houses cleaned, which people think is insane. I'm like, it costs three grand. It gives us $30,000 in value because it gives our employees time back to do hobbies and spend time with their kids. They don't feel guilty. So to me, like if you don't start internally with your people first, you create this disconnect with, oh, if you're a client and paying money, then you're valuable. But if you work for us, you're not quite as valuable. And they don't, most people don't realize that when you do things and spend money a certain way, you're communicating value. You matter, you don't. And when you do that, even with clients, I see people that like the assistant gets the junior varsity level gift and the CEO gets this gift. For me, the way I got the Orlando Magic as a client was I treated the CEO, Alex Martin, the same way and the same level gifts went to Cheyenne, the assistant. Because of that, Cheyenne Got us all of the other divisions of the Orlando Magic without me ever asking because she felt treated like a peer, not a pawn, not a gatekeeper. And employees the same way. I want our billion dollar clients to be getting gifts at the same level as my employees. And when I do that, they're inspired to go take care of things. I, we don't micromanage, like we, we really want to focus on them owning the process. And they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Like there's times I drop the ball, they drop the ball. But I think that when you show up powerfully and generously for your people and for your clients, they like Givers get a pass. Like they get the benefit of the doubt. You don't have a target on your back as an employer. You like people want to see you win and I think that taking care of your team that way, okay, we all have bad days as employers, we all have things that break, we all have things that go wrong, but when you take care of your team that way, like we don't have an we don't have a loyalty or engagement problem because we've chosen to invest there first.
1: Uh, I love that. And uh, so we're, we're winding down here and so many nuggets here and we're, we're just getting to like the tip of the iceberg of what's in the book. So again, check out the book, Giftology. John, if someone is watching, so this is, this is not just a, This is not a campaign. This is a way and not even just a way of thinking. It's a way of life. And so I think you know, what you're showing through that is is you actually would probably create larger problems for yourself if you only were to implement this for your top-end clients, and not your team, or I mean, just just think it through. I mean, because it's very, it's a radical departure from most thought. But when you think it through and you live it holistically, uh, I'm not nearly on the level you are, so I, I got work to do. But I I, do, I love the thought process, and I know um, I know you won't have the results if you're listening to this if you just do this a little bit. So I, I don't want you to be misled by going, oh, I'm going to send my top client a ten thousand dollar gift, he's going to love it, or oh, I'm just going to get all my employees five thousand dollar matches, like. I, Again, you got to be thoughtful. Like they might have just bought one. They might, I, whatever. So you, you literally have to think this through for yourself. So, for someone who has yet to read Giftology but is about to go get it and read it, um, what? give me like the top first two, three, four things you can, you should start thinking about in order to make this uh, manageable. Because, you know, like I have, I have 3,600 clients in 63 countries, like, right. Or over the, the past decade, we've served those people. Um, it could be overwhelming. So like, where do we begin? Is there a way to systemize any of it? Maybe not the thoughtfulness, but where do we begin?
0: Yeah. Well, I would say that if you have a, you know, I don't care if you're a $2 million company or $2 billion company, most people have, a marketing plan, a PR plan, a ops plan, a a sales plan, a financial plan, a workout plan. Most people don't have a relationship plan. They've never taken the time to do a 360 degree view and said, hey, who are all the important relationships I currently have or I have had? Who allowed me to get to this point in business? Is it mentors, advisors, investors? And just take, you know, the five minute journal is a great example of like, just take, you know, five minutes a day and write down three people that you're grateful for. If you did that in business, in the course of a year, you'd probably have a thousand people that you're like, wow, without them, I wouldn't have this deal or this referral or this investment or, you know, I, that they're a key employee or whatever it is. But just documenting and, and acknowledging up here, like, hey, and here, like there's a lot of people that have poured into me to get me where I'm at as a business owner or leader or division leader, like putting it pen to paper is a, is a start. And then what I would say is that most people want to start with what to give. And that's like the seventh step in the process, who you're taking care of and the value of those relationships. Most people have never put a math equation together to say, I have a $5 million company. I make this much. How much am I reinvesting back into all of my relationships to keep them, to grow them, and then to turn them into what Cameron was for me, which is a sales rep, an advocate, a loyalist. And so I think if you can start the list and then start to put like a dollar and cents beside them, if your tribe wants to go download like our whole blueprint and playbook, of who, when, why, how much, and then finally what to send, they can anybody could be a great gift giver. Like if a farm boy who's milking goats growing up can be and love my love language by the way of the five isn't even gifting. I'm an introvert who loves words of affirmation. And when I give a gift, I get the words of affirmation. It's allowed, it's allowed me to connect with these power players, even though like I'm like reserved in this farm kid, I use gifting as a way to be able to dominate as an introvert, because I'm not the life of the party, and the idea that I even speak on stage now is weird. It's like God has a sense of humor, because I would get diarrhea six months leading to any speaking engagements. I was that nervous. So I, I would say, start with writing down the list. You got to start. You know, it's like anything else. Go download the, the playbook at giftologysystem.com. There's, you know, no cost to that. And then start taking baby steps. You know, maybe it's just starting with your your spouse and becoming a more year-round thoughtful gift giver to your spouse or to your kids or to your parents or to your mentor. Like I have college kids reach out and they're like, Oh, I can never do giftology. I'm like, I budgeted as a college kid, $500 a month to do gifting.
1: Wow.
0: Now maybe it's just $500 a year that you decide to do it. And instead of doing like calendars for your top 500 relationships, pick maybe two people that are really important to you and spend 250. If you took a client out to a nice dinner with wine, you'd spend more than $250. Like, that's just the bottom line. Yeah. If you pick up a bar tab in Vegas and you're a startup for a thousand bucks, like take that thousand dollars instead of buying alcohol nobody remembers the next day, and maybe you buy like five two hundred dollar gifts. Or maybe you don't have money to do that at all, and you realize that the handwritten note that goes with the gift is just as important as what you're sending. That's what provides meaning and context. So oftentimes I tell people if you can't do a gift, take an hour and write the most thoughtful note that you can of gratitude to that person. And then if you want to, if you want to cry and have that person cry, go read it to them in person. Like you'll both cry and they'll never, they'll never forget or ever get rid of that letter. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't care who you are. We all crave for our lives to matter. We all all crave to have meaning. And, Yet gifting isn't spending more money than your competition. It's being more thoughtful and creative. And whether you have a budget of a thousand dollars or $10 million, it's a matter of how you deploy that thoughtfully year round, holistically, not tactically, but saying I'm a giver and I want to build this into my relationships for the next 50 years. Like when I saw Paul at 60 years old, I was 20. I'm like, I got 40 years to get to where Paul's at. And so I'm, I'm just turned 40 this year. I'm like, I'm, tw- I'm halfway through. And I built some pretty great relationships, but I still got another 20 years to go to get where Paul's at. And that's where things start to compound, you know, it starts with three relationships and then it gets to 10 relationships and then it gets to 300. And now like we have so many people advocating us for us in different parts of the world that like some of the referrals that are coming in, I'm like, I can't believe I'm talking to Microsoft or Google or SAP or I'm like, this is crazy. I I literally grew up like thrift storing it and people are like, you know, paying us six figures sometimes to speak I'm like this is just weird this is nuts this doesn't make any logical sense and it really doesn't but it's when you make those deposits consistently where you know over decades it starts to come back
1: I love it man Uh, everyone check out the book Giftology John Rillan thank you so much for joining me here on Now to Next I look forward to seeing you uh, in person next time soon thanks brother take care thanks for tuning in to Now to Next make sure you like and subscribe and check out the next episodes